Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Marjorie Bunnett. I'm Elizabeth Reese. This is Best to the Nest, the podcast that's all about creating strong, comfortable, beautiful nests that prepare us to fly. Oh my gosh, Elizabeth, it comes, it's time that we begin to mark the end of summer. I know, the weeks are ticking by, and we've got uh, the state fair coming up, we have uh, Labor Day coming up, and we've got back to school on the horizon. I was just having a discussion, like a little family talk about like, when are we going to do a back to school haircut? When are we going to do the back to school shopping? What's the list of everything that we need? And there's still a lot of uncertainty about back to school. So we're just trying to soak up every last day of summer. I've got one last little cabin trip coming up with our family, which I'm very much looking forward to. We are just kind of penciling in like a pool day with Jay's brother and his family and and getting to enjoy some of these things before it all wraps and we're in soup season, which it sounds great to me too. (laughs) I know. You get excited about soup season. For me, the end of summer – so when I lived in Tempe, summer turned into one of my favorite seasons, even though it's 115 to 120 degrees in Tempe. Too hot for me, the pool in my complex would get up to like 90 degrees. (laughs) So it was like a hot tub. So it was like one big hot tub. So every day after work, I would go to the pool. Yeah. And I would do laps. And it was so lovely because I am such a baby when it comes to cold water. (laughs) So for for, we belong to a club here that has a pool. And Ian and I have been going almost every day, um, whether we go late at night and sort of just stay in the pool. And I've been able to get in it because it's been so warm. But, like, I can feel the days dwindling. The other day, he was like, oh, my God, you are such a baby. Just get in. And I have to do, like, that little kid thing where it's, like, my feet. And then I have to do, like, down to my stomach. Now, lots of people will tell you that just makes it worse. You oh, I know. This in. whole dive-in thing, it's not for me. But then, like, I have to get wet. And then I get wet, and then I have to get out of the pool again, so I get really cold, so that when I get back in, it's warm. Oh, my gosh. There's a gosh. whole ritual. So that's part of my marking the end of summer. But in when the kids were growing up, there was – I always had – it was sort of an exponential feeling like the Sunday blues, but exponential. That's what the end of summer always felt like to me. Oh, that's so funny. You know how at the end of – on Sunday night, you're like, oh – you kind of know what's coming and the work yeah. week is starting. And and I'm not sure if having like the Sunday blues is an introvert thing because for me it always meant like, oh, I have to gear up for kind of a social week. You know, mm-hmm. I have to gear up to actually talk to people and I have to look. <laughs> but I think that that's what the end of summer always felt like for me. It was – I would get so, so sad. That doesn't happen to you. It doesn't happen to me at all. And I have oh, like – I have Sunday scaries and I don't get it about the – End of summer because I love fall so much. Fall is 100% my favorite season. And I know people are like, but then you know what's coming, which is winter. And guess what? I also like winter. Like, I just really like seasons. You're a true Minnesotan. I'm a a Minnesotan. Like, I would always rather be a little bit too cold than a little bit too hot. 
I love right. the right. shift in wardrobe. I love the shift in food choices. I love the shift in just like how we spend time. Like I love cozy fire nights at our house more than anything right. else. And so for me, right. I feel like we're just easing into that. And there is something for me about routine that is helpful. And the summer feels like yep. out of routine. There's always a lot to fit in. It feels like the days are super long. <laughs> and I and I oh, kind of start funny. to crave that feeling of like every day we leave the house at the same time. Every day we do the same thing at the same time. You know, it just becomes much more of a routine. And then even for like the kids, like it gets dark earlier. So going to bed isn't this big thing. Right. And right. um, and I'm not sweating ever. And I always just have like something cozy on the stove or in the oven. And I feel good about that. It, all of those That's... things for me are really positive. I honestly, I can't remember the last time I felt sad about summer ending. And it's always been like that for me. My, you know, my birthday is July 27th. I remember being a kid. And by the time it was my birthday, every single year, I was like, okay, I'm ready for the next season. I'm like pumped for fall. Bring it on. I think that there might be a difference too about working full time. Yeah. And not, and, and being sort of a stay at home mom in the summer. For sure. Because it changes. Because the minute you said that, all that came back to me was the angst that most of the mothers I knew had in the summer of what do I do with the kids? Because it changes all the schedules. It yeah. changes everything. And it also gets really, really expensive. Yeah. And, uh, yes. you know, I was I was, I was really, just adding up what it's going to yeah. be in the fall, which is so much better than what it is in the summer. I'm yeah. like, oh, I will be paying my nanny a fraction. <laughs> right. Right. And I think for me... I was lucky that when the kids were little, that's when I was freelance. And I was doing a lot of work for the Oprah Winfrey Show, which went on hiatus in the summer. So I was kind of off. And so I think that also, I totally get, as soon as you said that, I totally get it. Because the chaos of summer is not at all conducive to a peaceful home when everybody's working. It's just every day it's is something hard. different. You have to yeah. kind of figure out the dynamic and all of that. So and and we do, you know, we we still have a lot of summer memories left to make and we did yep. uh, thank you to Stephanie Hansen for filling in for me last week. She's the best because I did uh, I did 11 days off, which was amazing. And I kind of feel like I've done a lot of work on myself and Jay and I have done a lot of work this summer and it hasn't been without bumps in the road to get to a place where we're really being conscious about what's, as my co-host Steve Patterson said to me the other day, what's the pain point in your day? Really looking at what's the pain point in your day and then trying to fix it. So it was interesting because as we've sort of evolved, you know, you all have been along on the ride as we hired a summer nanny. We decided that it has worked out so well and she is like becoming part of our family. We adore her and that she's going to stay on with us in the fall. And she's a pre-med student at, at the university of Minnesota. So she lives super close to us and she's going to just work for us like essentially two hours a day in the afternoons at the pain the, point for her. It is like the ideal job because she can right. like make some money, but it's not an overwhelming thing with her social life or her school life. Right. And, uh, and it's flexible to a point. It's totally flexible to a point. Like she can let us right. know when we can figure something out, which is what we're doing. But she, right. but it, it, it's becoming more clear. Like what is the pain point? And for us, the pain point is pickup 
Picking up kids is the worst part of my day. It's the hardest. It's the most rushed. It makes me feel behind. It doesn't make me feel like I can enjoy the evening because right. I'm running. And it, and for me, you know, my job is the most intense from 3 to 4.30. Yep. Like yep. that's my most intense part of the day. And so when I add on a really intense not super enjoyable part of parenting at the end of the day. It like dominoes into this whole just like feeling of rushed, feeling of just wanting the day to be done, which is how yeah. I don't want to feel. And so we've been having some conversations about, okay, how can we have our nanny not only pick up Bernie, but pick up the boys too? So that when we walk in the door, we're like fresh and happy and ready to see everybody, not feeling like I had to just drag them out of daycare and get everyone in the car and load everybody up and have someone crying for 15 minutes while I'm in the car. And there's the stress too of, uh, of every getting there on time. Yeah. Of getting to the daycare center on time. Uh, yeah. 100%. It's like I used to watch women who were like, freaking out because and rightly so and more often than not it was the women who were picking up the kids i know and they were freaking out because it was like oh my god i gotta go right but you're feeling that pull of but everybody else isn't leaving work right but i've gotta go yeah i mean it's just it's it's and that whether where you work is good with it or not there's that internal feeling of like I shouldn't be leaving. Right. But of course you should because your kids are at daycare. It's horrible. It's, it's really a, it's, a tough it's a spot. Stressor. Yeah, it's really yeah. a stressor. So I'm thinking, okay, what's the pain point? How can I remove that? And for us, it's going to be having our nanny do pickup. And then the other benefit That's of it great. is that the our days start really early in the fall, winter, and spring because Bernie's school starts, she has to be dropped off between 8 and 8, 10. So, oh, gosh. I, you know, that means that like, it went, then we get the boys to daycare too. And that's a long day. And I live in the city for a reason. I live in the city because I don't want my kids to be at daycare for 10 hours a day. And I want right. to be able to make dinner for right. them. And, and right. that is why I pay exorbitant taxes. <laughs> and right. like we, we stay in the city because we don't want to commute. But when our day goes so long, I, it just like, it's just hard on my kids. Maybe it works for other people's kids. For me, it doesn't. So our plan is then, you know, we're hoping to just shift into she can pick them up earlier too, get them home earlier nice. so yeah. that then they've got like some time to decompress at home instead of feeling like they were at daycare being really stimulated in a really wonderful environment, but there for a very long time. Yeah. And I think the the important thing too is that idea of them getting to come home first. Yeah. And in a way you can frame that, that their job now is to be the peacemakers at home so that when you walk through the door, yeah, it's just this great homecoming for you. Right. And I think I was lucky enough when I was working really hard in Chicago, we had a nanny and that was what was really great is I would get home from work and the kids were already settled because they right. were home. I know. And, they, and they'd be in their pajamas or they'd be whatever. But I got this great homecoming right. where they would run to me and it wasn't – they didn't feel like they had to spill all of their crap all over me. Which is what the they, they do. Saw me. That's what they yeah. do when well, I pick them up. Kids do. Yeah. 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 That's and, what, it's, yeah. and it's exhausting. And I realized that like I want to be there for them to be that soft spot to land. But – it's not working because it's right. so much on me yeah. at a very challenging time of my day. And then it impacts the whole rest of the night. And so we've just That's been, great. I don't know. I kind of encourage you to take a look at like 
I know a lot of a lot of our listeners are kind of in my same boat in terms of yeah. the time. And when Steve said that to me, because I was kind of talking to him about like, here's what Jay and I've been discussing, and here's what we're kind of finding. And he's like, it's the pain point. Like looking it's at brilliant. what is the pain point, and at being really cognizant. I think every season, as you move into fall, as you move into winter. I mean, thinking about like the things that you want to do as a family to enjoy your life, but also going to the other end of the spectrum. What's the pain point? What's the thing that's causing us the most stress right right now? And is there a way that we can alleviate that either through like sharing the workload a little bit more among the adults in the household or uh, utilizing the help that you have to solve those problems? Like, This was even how it was going with laundry, with our nanny who folds the laundry and puts it away. I was looking at a mountain of laundry every day and just not only I was just so mad that I had to do it, but I was super mad at Jay that he wasn't doing it. And now I'm not mad at all. (laughs) Well, the way that I handled that when when the kids were little is we had we had bought a house in Atlanta and it had this ridiculously huge second floor foyer. I mean, yeah. it was just insanely big. And so I walled it off and that was our laundry room. Oh, yeah. And I made a family closet. Yes. And everybody's clothes got laundered and then put away in that closet. Whether the people who bought the house from us kept it or not, I don't know. But I will tell you, in that phase of life where you have mountains and mountains of laundry, it was so wonderful because California Closets came in, built a system, everybody had their area, oh. and their clothes just got put okay, away. Okay, that's it, heaven. It was great. And I just saw what reminded me of it is on Instagram, there was a woman who posted the family closet that she had built. So smart. It It was in their basement and it was her husband's clothes and all of her kids' clothes. And she said, this is where all of their clothes go, which is what I had done, all of their clothes. She said, I'm the only one that has a closet upstairs because I'm the one that does the laundry. <laughs> when they start doing the laundry, they can take their clothes out of the laundry yes. room. But it was a beautiful room. Yeah. I mean, it was all, everybody, everything had its place. And I will tell you from experience, it worked really well. Yeah. And if I had, you know, if I had a lot of kids, that would be like a no-brainer if you have the space to do it. It's just that I had this dead space. So it was like, what am I going to do with this dead space? The people who lived be- there before us had put in a wet bar. Oh, fun. So there was there was water up there already. Yeah, that's great. I, I like need- a bar on the second floor. I think that feels yeah. really great. <laughs> yeah. Now, in retrospect, maybe keep the bar, not put a washer dryer in. But the water was there, so I put a washer dryer. I don't know. Sometimes a little, like, a little tequila on ice while you're folding the laundry sounds really <laughs> nice. That's like an appropriate time to have a little drink. It can go a long way. But I have to say to you on this thing about pain point, Mm -hmm. and I think when you have young children, there are multiple pain points in a day. Right. And what's interesting to me now, I think we've talked about this before, but my mother now lives next door to me. Right. And the idea was that she could live independently. And we've had several bumps in the road. And it's not – she – really can't. She doesn't need 24-7 care, and she's being a champ, and she's heroic, and she's strong, and all these great things, but she needs help. Yeah. But the idea wasn't that I was going to become her caregiver. That Mm -hmm. was never supposed to be the plan, but that's what ended up happening. Right. And so, for me, there were many pain points, because it was like, what what has just happened here? Right, right. And so... It's the same as having a baby, Marjorie. 
I mean, it I, really is when you when your world is completely rocked by another yeah. human that shows up that you need to care for and get to know what their needs are. Yeah, that, and that is it's the same. It is. To- well, you, you really should give yourself credit for that. I mean, it is. It's a lot. And, well, the hard part is to be perfectly frank. And mom, if you hear this podcast. You know that I love you, and I'm only speaking honestly. But the hard part are the injuries. Yeah, is is when somebody gets older, she's a fall risk, and so and the falls aren't pretty. I have become a pretty good wound care specialist yeah. because when you get she's 87, her skin is like rice paper, mm-hmm. and so she can literally. Yesterday, she sheared off a large portion of the skin on her arm. Ugh. That's not a pretty thing, right? And and, and it's painful and it's hard. But that having been said, so there are literally many pain points. Mm -hmm. But what I figured out is in the short term, until I figure this out, my pain point is first thing in the morning. Yeah. This can't be what I have to do every day first thing in the morning. It just can't. Mm -hmm. I've just moved back with my husband. I want to spend time having a cup of coffee in the morning with him. So she has a caregiver that comes in every day from 8 until 9 that helps her get dressed they get breakfast together. If she needs to take a shower, they take a, you know they help her with her shower and gets her set for the day. Yeah. And so it's one of those things that I think when you said that about pain point, I think that's so crucial within a family discussion is what's the pain point and how do we alleviate it? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't always take money. I mean, we're no. talking about extreme circumstances because we're talking about high levels of care of babies and the elderly. Right. So, I mean, it's going to take some money to, to deal with these issues. But I think a lot of other pain points don't necessarily have to take money. But some of it, you're right, and some of it is just reallocating the money that you spend for care and making sure that it is helping you with that pain point. You know, some of it is like, I'm already going to spend money on after-school care. I have to figure that out. Like, I have to do that regardless because of our schedules. How can I make it so that that money is maximized or that if I have to spend a little more than I would have otherwise... I would rather I would rather do that when I'm to make sure that what I have to spend is actually worth it. I mean, that's that's kind of the situation. And I think consistently examining that and always taking a little step back. And when I talked to Jay about it, it, I just said, like, he said, well, you know, do we need to do this or like, how would we do it? And I said, well, let's think about what's the most stressful part of your day, because he also kind of has in his mind, like, there are parts about picking the kids up that he likes. Yeah. And he's, I think he sort of like tells himself a story of it's mostly good. And I'm like, right. Jay, I mean, really, let's be real. Like most of the time, a lot of, most of the time I have to do it because he has stuff that comes up with his work, which is how right. it goes. Right. And then, so then it's added stress on me. And when he does it, he's always the last one to pick up because it's just the way that his day goes. Right. And I was like, you very rarely walk in the door with the kids with a big smile on your face. It's more of like a grimace walking up the sidewalk, carrying all the stuff. Right. And then you have to kind of come in and recover from that. Imagine if you just like came in came home, and it yeah. was great and it yeah. was wonderful. And, and for him, and then I was like, and I'll work out something else with our daycare where I can touch base with them about how the kid's day went. I don't have to be there to have a conversation about it. Like we have an app for that. They can write it down. (laughs) I can talk to them in the morning. You know, you figure those things out. And so, well, I think you also touched on something really important there is the idealized version of what's happening and the reality of what's happening. Exactly. And the idealized version 
Like, I really liked, when the kids were growing up, I loved doing carpool with my son's friends when I would pick them up from swim practice. Fun. I really loved that. I loved that because it was a really natural way for me to get to know them because I would just listen to the conversations. And on the, most days, and, and I was doing the morning show then, so it was off in the afternoon. So that worked for me. Right. That was the ideal version matched the reality. There were so many other things in their lives where the ideal of what I thought was happening and what was actually happening day to day was not. And uh-huh. I think to identify, that's really not what's happening. Yeah. Like you're not having these great conversations with your kids. I it's know. It's stressful. You're stressed out. Take all that energy and have a great dinner hour. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. think you're totally right. You've got to do that step back and figure out what the pain point is. And you have yeah. to really be realistic about the difference between the idealized version of what you want to be going on compared to what is actually going on. This is helpful stuff. Boy, Steve Patterson is going to feel really good that his little pain point comment made yep. it as such a central Tell part him, of I our podcast. He's genius. He's genius. <laughs> Which brings us, I think, in a lot of ways to this discussion of back to school and COVID, sort of the idealized version and what's really happening. Oh, man. <laughs> and I, you know, I really think so much about this because I'm so empathetic to mothers with young children because I think so much of, you want so much to protect your kids. And in the most part, you know, I'd always sort of, even as a news producer, Elizabeth, I'd always sort of roll my eyes, and this makes me seem sort of hard-ass, but maybe I am, of when I'd see the teases on the news of, like, how to talk about this with your kids, right. how to talk about this with your kids. And I'd be like, I just don't turn on the news. Yeah. And then guess what? I don't have to talk about it with my kids. <laughs> you know? I mean, so I I get it, but this isn't that. And, and that's what's so different about this as a news story. You don't have the luxury as mothers of young children of not talking about this with your kids. Mm-hmm. You have to you have to address it. How how have you done that? We've the COVID thing has been really interesting cuz it's mainly just been impacting it impacts how we go about how we teach our kids to navigate the world. You know, I remember right. last summer being so much about like yeah, for example, they'd closed down the entire parkway where we walk and bike near our house and they closed it all down to traffic. Normally there's traffic going and then there's also like really beautiful bike and walking trails. Well, they closed the traffic down so that there could be space. And I found myself saying so many times, give people space, give them space. We have to give people space when we go places. And and then they would be like, well, why? You know, and I say, and they know, you know, because they talk about coronavirus at their school and at their daycare that people feel nervous about other people's germs. So that's some of it. The one really positive is, I mean, my children have been so healthy because they do so much hand washing too. Washing your hands really goes a long way, guys. I think we could do a lot with like some serious, like let's amp up our vitamin D stores. Let's like hit the zinc hard. Let's hit some liposomal vitamin C. Like Let's have some good supplementation, some solid diets, and washing our paws, and we can really be a lot healthier. And this is even separate from COVID. This is like all sorts of little bugs that you end up getting, which has been great. The heart of the thing that I get concerned about the most are the masks, and I get very concerned about this idea of putting – I'm learning now about preschools that are wanting to require masks for two-year-olds and three-year-olds, and I just – I, v- I very strongly believe that the 
the downside of that outweighs any potential benefit. And that's just where I stand on it as a parent and as a person. And I, and I am quite educated on the topic. I read a lot of research. I read a lot of what scientists have to say. I fully understand that there are myriad ways that people are trying to mitigate the spread of this virus. I also think that we have to weigh social and mental development, health and well-being in that. And that is why I felt very strongly that the when we closed schools down completely, that it was a that the cost of that was really outweighed the benefit for a lot of kids, particularly kids in low income situations. And it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough road. And then the mask thing is really hard. You guys, I mean, kids rely on seeing people's faces in order to understand how they fit into the world. And when you are, think about as an adult, when you're out and about and you only see people's eyes, it is so difficult to understand who they are and to, understand what they're trying to communicate with you and kind of where you fit with them and to connect with them. And I know that people will say, kids are resilient. My kids don't even mind wearing them. It's not that big of a deal. And I get it. You, I mean, that might seem that way, but I also think that kids will adapt to any difficult situation. Kids are adaptable in order to survive. They will adapt to whatever situation they are in in order to survive. And how much have I learned from listening to the book, What Happened to You, that you've been talking about with Oprah Winfrey? Isn't it great? I am about, gosh, I don't know, a third of the way through and learning so much about how the brain and how children will adapt to any sort of trauma. And I will make the argument until I'm blue in the face that disconnecting children from people is a form of trauma and that we will not know the true impact of that until later on down the line. Well, you know, I think about that book that we're talking about, What Happened to You, and I I think a lot about these young children because, first of all, just this idea of having to be Mindful or fearful, because it's all in the way that the parents are presenting it, or the ger- or the school teachers. I mean, they have a the big teachers. role in it too. Yeah, yeah, of germs. Mm-hmm. Just starting foundationally, I can remember as a small child, you know, wash your hands, wash your hands, but not with the consequences of, or you could infect somebody and or, kill them, and kill them, or your parents could die, or, and I just I think when when I think about that book, what happened to you? I often think about just for these kids, just at the base level of being surrounded by COVID and having to be a part of this news story, mm-hmm. you know, they're a, or, or of this story, not a news story, but of this time, right? They are, they are a part of it that you cannot shield them from it. And so I just, I worry about what that is going to do just in the idea of how they interact with the world in general. Mm-hmm. The mask issue is frustrating to me because I think if I were a mother, Elizabeth, right now of young children, I would be a proponent of masks at school. We would still be very good friends. I know this. <laughs> we would still be very good friends. But I just feel like if I were honest, I think because of my nature, I think I would be a proponent of masks. That having been said, I 100% also at the same time kind of agree with you that it's very disconcerting to have interactions with people all the time with masks. And I've had sort of a small taste of that because my mother, the women that come in the morning to take care of my mom, it's a variety of women. We don't have the same person that comes every 
day. And if my mom were a child, I would never do that because right. you would want her to bond to somebody. You wouldn't want a stranger coming in every day. But right. she's a grown woman. It's okay. This is the system that works. But it has been a tad disorienting for me. I can't – it's very hard to, like, nail it down. To recognize who that person to recognize is. recognize them. I know. And then they, like, take their mask off. And it's like, oh, I d- didn't think you looked like that at all. Oh, listen, I you saw know? my new hair person for the first time I'd yeah, ever seen her weird. with no mask on at our last appointment. And I was like – she walked up to get me, and I was like, well, where's Jackie? Right. And she was like, hi. And I just was so confused it's because so I'd weird. only – I started seeing her during, during the mask time. Yes. And and so I think to your point, that's when I feel like there has to be a middle way. There has to be a middle way for the mothers that are like me, that are like, mask up, everybody, and the mothers like you that are saying, yes, there might be a benefit, but what are the downsides, mental – sort of the mental health downsides that we don't know about. And so I was actually really sort of obsessing over this. I don't know why, but I just wish that the conversation were less politicized right? so that we could find a middle way. Because I was doing some research on the 1918 pandemic, and what they did then is they took most of the kids outside. Yeah. So they would have long periods of class time outside. And I feel like, couldn't that be a middle way? That we take the kids outside for good portions as long as the weather holds, you know, right. for good portions of the time so that the children could really get to know their teachers' faces. Exactly. So that when they put the masks on, the kids already have a frame of reference. I would just love to see the masks used when social distancing is not possible. possible. And when, when outdoors and social distancing is not possible, then I understand the masks. To me, right. I still think it's tenuous with kids because I think kids touch them. They move them. They're all over the place. Yeah. They, I, I just, I think we're inconsistent about when we use them and when we don't. And I think yeah. a lot of it kind of ends up being optics. That's my personal opinion. You can cancel me if you want. That's where I'm at. But no, I feel no, like, but, you know, I, point, I, I just love think like with- if we could say, if we can't do these things, I'm just going to go on the record and say you don't need to be wearing a mask when you're alone in your car, Marjorie Punnett. You don't. And I see people driving with them (laughs) all the time. I see you driving by yourself in the car. And I'm going, I just like, and I have not even understood this in like the, the, when it was the worst of the worst, what are you protecting yourself from? You're alone and you're in your car. (laughs) If you have COVID, then you have COVID and you're only yeah. going to give it to yourself when you're alone and right. you're in your car. I mean, these are the types of things that I think it's just what has happened is we've gotten to be like, you're either a mask person or you're not a mask right. person. And, and guess what? You can be a person who wants to critically think about policies and who wants to utilize the tools that we have in order to fight this without making a blanket statement that one thing is the be all end all fix it. Like I just wish that there was a, that there was with so many things, I wish there was a more dynamic, complicated conversation about this issue and so many others. Yeah. But there can't be on the masks if they're politicized. And that's the biggest problem is the conversation, quite frankly, to pat ourselves on the back has to be the one that we're having. Right. Where you have people on who feel a little bit differently. Exactly. Understand the other point of view and really want to find a middle way on it that let's, hey, is best for kids. I know. Is it best for kids that no masks ever at school? I don't think so. But what's the middle way on that? Does that mean that that has to be But is it be best masked? for kids to have them all the time, nonstop? Abs- I'm going to go abs- 
No. No. Right. And I agree with that. Absolutely not. And I think what helped me understand that was really my own confusion with my mother's caregivers. Yeah. And I think if that sort of throws me off base a little bit, what does that do to a six-year-old? I know. Of of not being able to really identify the people around him or her. And Mm -hmm. I I do think – I think there is a middle way. And I think there's a way schools could do this where there would be a lot more outdoor time. A lot more outdoor time where mm-hmm. all the kids could see each other. Right. You know, I'm hoping that they're letting the kids take them off at recess. My fear is that they're not going to. And that's just a real it's, problem. It's very, yeah. Yeah. It's a real problem. Yeah. It really, it really is. And I understand, you know, the other thing, I understand people saying like, well, they do tests and they say that people get the same amount of oxygen and all of that. And that's fine because I think the body will adapt to whatever the body has to adapt right. to. Your body is going to figure out how to get the oxygen that it needs or it's going to die. The question that needs to be asked is what taxing, what kind of tax is that is your body paying in order to get that oxygen? What's the stress that's leading to it? There are all these different things. And when you add that on with kids and you put it in, you know, and, and again, the inconsistencies, it's like we've got some kids playing hockey and masks and some kids not. And then like the parents on the sidelines, not. And yeah. they all go home to the same house and they're all exposed to the same people. It's just like, I just wish that we were using tools strategically Instead of blanket statements that then lead to extremist views. And that's the point we're at because you become, you're either in the camp or you're out of the camp. Yeah. I'm not at camp. I'm not. I don't want to be at camp. I don't want to go to your dumb mass camp or your dumb, (laughs) like, extremist camp. I don't want to go to it. I just want to, like, be part of a critically thinking world. Where we really are putting kids' mental health and physical health first above all. Of all, yes. Above all else. Above all if else. If we're going to have kids go back to school, which I think everybody understands is really important, two years out of school for these kids would be devastating. Would I Would be know. absolutely devastating. Right. And so that, I think everybody seemingly is kind of on board with, yeah, we've really got to figure out how to make school work. Well, the New York um, Times just posted an article talking, I mean, they did a bunch of analysis about the statistics in terms of kids and there, it's like a third of the kids were just out. They were out of kindergarten. They just didn't do it. It was just nothing Ugh. to do it because, so you've got a couple of different things there. You've got parents. I mean, I was 40 assignments behind on Bernie's kindergarten at one point because I had a newborn, a full-time job and another child. And I was like, I cannot okay. figure out how to okay. upload this assignment. Like, I don't know Elizabeth. what to tell you. And I have a lot of resources. Elizabeth. What? Like when you said you were... 40 assignments behind, I like got like nauseous. Like the anxiety that that The alert causes, is probably still on my phone. The, the anxiety that would cause any parent of thinking that they're already behind and that their kindergartner is already behind. It was just this uh, alert on the Seesaw app on my phone that was a constant reminder. You? Well, it, it had the number of notifications on the app in like the top right corner. And so every day it was a number 40 reminder of how I was failing as a parent. Yeah, it sucks bad. Felt oh. real, real bad. And you know what? Like I'm oh. a parent who cares and I'm a parent who's feeding my child and my child isn't in yeah. an abusive situation. Like when I think about what some kids were going through at home, I can't even process it. I mean, the grief is oh. overwhelming to me. 
And again, it's like we, we get to a point where we've got to figure out we, like we can't keep moving the goalpost and we have to think critically about cost benefit, cost benefit. And it is unfortunate. I mean, we are living with this, this COVID is here. We live with it. That is how it is, but it's, we have to figure out how to live with it and not have it ruin so many other things. I don't know. I'm just like, it's just, it's, it's, well, you're, you're rubbing your head because your brain's going to explode because it, it is difficult. And you know, that would lead us into a whole nother discussion, which we're not going to get in today. But I just, I think that these are the pressures and that's what I hope sometimes that these conversations, um, will lead to is just the idea that number one, if you're a mom out there and you're listening to this conversation that, you know, these are real stressors. Right. That it's not just you. Elizabeth getting 40 notifications that she's behind, that's a real stressor. That's not funny. It's not – it only makes me like – it truly did make me nauseous because I can feel – I can – I'm close enough to it still to understand what that would have felt like. Bad. Bad. <laughs> and then no two ways about it. And I so I think, I think that any of these discussions – and I think too as you go forth in the world and you're going to show up at your school board meeting or your mm-hmm. PTA meeting or you're going to be in the class meeting with the teachers – my God, everybody, just go out into the world, you know, with your critical thinking cap on right. and a big, big dose of empathy for the school administrators, for the teachers, for all of the pressures that they're under. Because in every Ugh. classroom, those teachers are going to have to hold in their head not only all of the voices of those parents. So we're talking about probably 60 adults and 30 kids. Right. And that teacher's got to hold all of those disparate voices in her head at the same time. So walk into that classroom with just a tad bit of empathy for what they're going through. I know, and hopefully, no answer. you're right. I just hope that the discussions can be more, again, more like this discussion that we're having. And I'm hopeful that's happening. I mean, my sister was emailing yeah. one of her um, her kids' teachers and said that they were having a really great discussion. And Good. she was kind of making her point about her concerns about her three-year-old wearing a mask and feeling right. very, very concerned about that. And right. so... And kind of navigating that all together and understanding that it's a fluid situation and hoping that if we have to start one way, we can shift into a different way. But, um, man, it's a lot. It's a lot to take in. But just remember, too, when you're emailing back and forth with that teacher and you're having a great discussion with that teacher, that teacher's having that discussion probably with 25 other parents. Yeah, I know. So patience and empathy. And don't email back and forth 10 times with that teacher because that means she's doing that with 25 other people as well. (laughs) I know. know. Just remember, everybody, just if we could just really, I just keep saying it, but if we could just find the middle way on this, it would help everybody. I think it would too. making this about what it shouldn't be about, which is not the kids. I don't know if that sentence was correct or not. It should be about the kids. That's what I'm trying to say. We got um, it. We speak Marjorie on this podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, one quick thing to, to wrap up the summer. Um, we, a couple of weeks ago, did a follow-up episode, and I said I was in the middle of a sleep divorce because our dog, Jack, was in hospice. And I had, when my husband and I were living apart, Jack had always taken my space in the bed. And in the last days of his life, it didn't seem fair to be like, no, Jack, you can't have the space that You're you love most out. of all. Yeah. Um, but we did end up putting our um, Jack to sleep. Aww. I'm not sure which euphemism I want to use uh, last week. And I think I you helped him cross the Rainbow Bridge. Oh. 
is what you did. Yeah. I like that one. But I just want to give a shout out when we talk about empathy and kindness. Um, Boy, our vet had all of the perfect words. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And I just, you know, it's a time like that when you think about things are bad in the world or people are mean to each other. Just never forget that if you get to be that person that has the right words at the right moment, what a superpower that is. That's so true. And he just couldn't have been kinder because my husband, I knew it was time. Yeah. I mean, I knew it was time six weeks ago. Yeah. Um, My husband was having a very hard time with it. Mm -hmm. And the vet just couldn't have been kinder to him and just literally sat on the floor and like a like a therapist job just helped us through the decision that was going to be made. Wow. And was just so, so dear. So don't forget that power. We all have it. We all have the chance to be those words to somebody. And he certainly was to us. That's really special. Oh, Marjorie, thank you for sharing that. And I'm so sorry. And I just, you know, anybody who's lost a pet, I, I like, I'm, I'm, as you're talking, I'm having like visual images of when I had to make that decision too. And Henry, oh, and it is sweet so painful. It is just so painful. And there's just a hole, there's a hole in your heart there. And I think, um, you know, and I think the thing about animals is that they signify a time in our life, you know, and they are yeah. so, and so it's not only saying goodbye to that bond and that like constant companion, but it's also saying goodbye to that time in your life. And that I think is, um, that's really true. Mm -hmm. Cause you talked about, I know, I remember when you talked about Henry that you talked about that it was the time in your life. You were a single woman. Oh, my young single girl days. Yeah. And it was just me and and the bugger. And Jack for us was the family dog. Yeah. He was the primary family dog. And so this is the dog that the kids grew up with. So, um, but Again, it it is it is um, it is sad, but right. Yeah. As those things can coexist, just like our discussion about masks, a lot of a lot of things can coexist in the same place mm-hmm. and all be right. And so, I think you got to look for that for that moment or that intersection. <sighs> oh, Marjorie, it's so good. Listen, if you're enjoying this podcast. We always promise some laughter and some tears. We don't always (laughs) deliver on all of it, but generally we do. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a review at Apple Podcasts. Marjorie, you pulled a fun one today. Yes, T. Bradley 16 wrote, love it. She said, I really appreciate how relevant your topics are from mental health to work-life balance. Love the actionable steps and resources from each show. Boy, that suits our personalities, does it? We are not wallowers. We don't (laughs) sit in place. It's like, there's got to be a way to fix this. Um, She says, loved you both since the radio show. Keep up the great work. And I just want to say, it makes me really happy when people say, loved you too from the radio show. I know. And I love that because I think if I had to articulate what I think they loved about the radio show is that they were in real time witnessing two women becoming really good friends yeah and so i think that's why it resonates with people because it was authentic and it was real yeah find us on facebook and instagram at best of the nest or go to best of the nest.com to subscribe to our newsletter we are the podcast that brings you home to be your best every day you need proven quality sleep every night 
Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.